Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the opening drive. It's time for today's big thing. From my particular standpoint, love is a two way street. And starting with the Cardinals in 1959, 10 days out of high school, and uh, and lasting with the Cardinals an extra stint in 1973 and 74, and then retiring in 1980, and going into the broadcast business, and doing a lot of network games, 18 years with Joe Buck. I worked with Jack Buck, uh, uh, Keith Jackson. Uh, brings a smile to my face when I think of him, one of the great guys in the history of the game, and certainly announcing, and then back with Dan. I didn't know Dan when we first started broadcasting five years ago. I know him very well right now, and he's one of my best friends. And, uh, and I'm not being small C or emo- too overly emotional, but I got two guys right here who are two of my best friends in life, and I love the fact that, uh, that I've come full circle with the Cardinals. Thank you. That's the late, great Tim McCarver, who was appearing at a uh, Speakers Series event with Bob Gibson and Dan McLaughlin a few years ago. Uh, We lost Tim McCarver yesterday at the age of 81, and... uh, Tim mentioned he loved Dan McLaughlin, who joins us in studio. And if you know this show, you know that I love Dan McLaughlin, one of my best friends in life. And uh, it's great to have Dan. Uh, I'm sitting right now watching Dan McLaughlin behind a microphone, and it's awesome. It's great. Good to see you. It feels good. Uh, (laughs) It's great to be here. Um, It's great to be back on the air. I'm doing a lot of stuff with uh, my podcast and my website coming up. Thanks for having me in here. I uh, obviously so much has happened for me in the last couple of months, and um, emotional really to be back and to be talking to you guys. And I uh, seeing Carrie, I don't want to mess with him. <laughs> My God, you could just mess somebody up. I mean, I don't, I don't want to mess that up. But uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me, Randy, over the years, and Carrie. And and uh, I would hear from people. I, I didn't listen to a lot of talk radio i'll be honest with you in the last couple of months what i do i listen to books on tape so i listen to a lot of uh books i I just finished a tiger uh book the one that armin katayan did i did the phil mickelson book i'm reading uh reading and listening to michael phelps's but the point of my story um and by the way i found out i have add too at adhd so i'm all over the place anyway the the point of my story is i heard you guys were uh very complimentary to me and and I appreciate it. And, you know, my, my statement today is, because I know you're going to ask me about mm-hmm. it, it's the elephant in the room, so to speak, is I'm sorry. You know, I, I messed up. 
I made a, a terrible mistake, um, and I'm sorry. And I, I truly am sorry. I'm sorry that this has happened. Never wanted to be put in that position. Never wanted to put other people in that position. And um, and now it's time to move forward in my life, and that's what I'm going to do. And you have a very eloquent ex- explanation of everything that went on on social media. It's but everywhere. No and you, you write that, and you say it multiple times. And if people haven't read Dan's uh, his story on social media, make sure that you do. All right. Well, one of the things I want to say too, Randy, is that there are no excuses. Again, I do apologize. I am sorry that this has happened. Um, And it's hard to say that because I, I, I I thought I'd be in that position for 25 more years. You know, I thought I'd retire in that chair and I I loved what I did. I loved broadcasting Cardinal baseball um, growing up here and it's a dream job and I lost it. So that's very tough on me. Um, But I put myself in that position for anybody that's listening right now. If you have not read what I put out and again, it's not an excuse. It's not, uh, there, there are no excuses. Uh, I take full accountability in what's taking place, but I do suffer from severe depression, um, severe anxiety, and mental health issues. And if I would have gotten help, and I did previous few years ago, a couple of separate times, and I would hit a spot that would get really uncomfortable in my personal life and some things that happened in my my childhood and as a young man. And uh, if I would have continued with the therapy I was getting, I'm not having this conversation with you. So I would implore anybody that's listening uh, to the to the radio right now, if you know somebody that deals with alcohol, drug abuse, or has mental health issues, help them. Approach them. Uh, tell them to get the necessary help. Drag them there. I don't care what you got to do, but address the issue. And the issue is, is tougher for whatever reason, I guess, on, on men, because we feel like we can yeah. handle it. And power we're, through. We're, yeah, we're going to power through and... And I thought I could handle it, and I couldn't. And it's cost me uh, dearly. Um, and I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. My Thank God to my wife. Thank God to my, my family. They've stuck with me, and I put people in a terrible spot, and I'm, I feel awful about it. But as I'm going to say here today, I'm not going to go away. Um, this is what I do. This is what I love. I have a passion for broadcasting, and uh, I don't know what the next steps in my life are going to be outside of being here with you guys for the next 15, 20 minutes or whatever it's going to be. And then uh, i got to move on with my life, and that's what I'm going to do. You know, uh, Danny, one thing that I always— you are seriously intimidating. <laughs> Jesus. One thing that I've, I've learned as, as men, we, we do withhold things, and we do internalize things, and we don't— tend to talk because I know as a child I was taught, you know, boys don't cry. Boys, we fight through it. And really it's a, it's a detriment to us becoming grown men and how we go about our day to day. And so you spoke to it, just being able to open up and talk about the things that you've been through. One thing that I've also learned is sometimes you have to give yourself a little grace. We all make mistakes. We all do things that we look back and say, what the hell, why the hell did I do that? But at the end of the day, we have to give ourselves grace because we, we 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 tend to beat ourselves up and are so harsh and so hard on ourselves. So I've been pretty hard on myself. I yeah, can tell you that. Give in the last yourself, few so, so that's why I give yourself some grace well, and allow yourself to understand it was a mistake. But at the same time, we all falter. We all make mistakes. And I told you off air, 
I think it's going to be a testimony that eventually when when things start turning up and looking up, you'll be able to talk about exactly what took place and how to prevent someone else from maybe making the same mistakes or, or, or going down the same path and changing others' lives as well as, you know, having your life going in a direction where you're you're truly pleased with, with what you've done. And I, I think it's going to be a, a hell of a story to be able to talk about. But for me, just grace, giving ourselves grace and not – because the world gonna beat the hell out of us, right? Yeah. And and if we're beating the hell out of us, if we're helping them, if we're assisting, it, it, it's even harder to to pick ourselves up day to day. So that's my take. We love you. We we I are. Appreciate I'm it. glad that you are here. Uh, I gave you a hug when you came in. I, I just hold you a little bit longer. I noticed. <laughs> we we I want know you if to I done something to you. <laughs> <laughs> we are happy to see you. I'm happy to see you. I'm happy to hear you because I'm I'm been a Cardinal fan for as long as I can remember. And yeah. your voice is one that I always remember associated with Cardinal baseball. So thank I, you. I appreciate that. I. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to walk out of here with my head held up high, and I walked in with my head held up high. And one of the things that if, if somebody reads that letter, I, I can't tell you, I, I guess on Twitter it's gotten like 1.2 or 1.3 million views. Mm-hmm. And I've heard from people nationwide, people I don't know, some people I do know. Um, and amazingly, people that I know that I thought were not dealing with the issues that I have dealt with and am dealing with, and said, thank you for doing this because I'm going to get help. Uh, I did have a gentleman reach out to me and uh, not somebody I knew and said, I read the letter and I put down the gun because I was getting ready to do something to myself. Wow. So it, I, I wrote that with the idea of this just helps one person, then it's worth putting out my story and my vulnerabilities and really my, I'm embarrassed, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a hard situation to deal with when you talk about the things that you deal with. You go to dark places. I've been there. Trust me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for, for me, if I can help some people along the way, then maybe there is some type of silver lining in what, what took place on that. For me, personally, awful evening. It was the early evening hours of a Sunday, December 4th, and it's changed the uh, trajectory of my life. But you're still a great guy. And just if we look at the text line right now, you are so beloved in this town. And that's not going away. People love Dan McLaughlin. Well, I'm going to dive into chair. I, I was, I dove into charity for as much as I could. And I think Randy, you and I knew this being around Jack Buck. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we saw it and Carrie, you grew up and saw it probably from the outside looking mm-hmm. in. We worked with Jack. So we saw it, Randy, more so than me um, working at KMOX, but you saw the platform that you have and the difference that you can truly make. And so I, I always felt, and it's, this is selfish. I enjoyed doing charity work because I got more out of it than the people I was helping. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt good when I would do it. It was just one of the things I loved doing. So I'm diving into that. Matter of fact, I'm, the NAMI walk is coming up in May. I'm, I'm the chairperson for that. That immediately happened, and that's for fighting mental illness here in St. Louis. It's on the 23rd, I believe, of May. Um, doing my golf tournament, the Special Education Foundation, we've raised over $5 million. I'm going to continue to do that. And countless people have reached out to me to come speak or to MC. I'm going to do all of it because I, I got to stay busy. That's the one thing I'm a little concerned about for me personally is that this spring and this summer, man, if I'm not busy, that ain't a good thing yeah. for old Danny Mac. <laughs> yeah. So I, I better we do some that. things to, to stay busy, yeah. which I will. All right. Uh, we, we were saddened yesterday by the passing of uh, uh, Tim McCarver, who said we heard the, the cut that 
you guys were best friends. He was one of your He's best friends, best. and you were one of his. You had you have the great Tim McCarver imitation <laughs> that uh, you, you, you can provide us. I mean, I can say this now. And I thought about, should I say it? I'm going to say it anyway, because he said it publicly. But when he told me that on his tombstone, God rest his soul, and I know he's in heaven right now, but <laughs> pitchers did this. That's what he said he was going to put on his tombstone. <laughs> pitchers did this. <laughs> he's the best, great, man. Great. And you know, Dan, and he, if he was here, he'd be laughing, yeah, so yeah. he would not take yeah. offense to that. It, he loved doing games in Wrigley Field, didn't he? He loved it. And he talked about the dirt, and he talked about the dirt at uh, Dodger Stadium. He said, when you grab the dirt at Wrigley, there's just, I got goosebumps thinking, he said, there's just something different. Hmm. And when you do a day game at Wrigley around 4, 4.30, the birds come in, and we had a conversation. It's still, people ask me all the time, like, and I can't remember what we were talking about. Like, we were talking about what's the fastest animal or something. And he's like, it's got to be the bird. And I'm like, no, there's a cheetah. The cheetahs really go fast, Tim. No. And the play-by-play is there's none. It's non-existent. And for two innings, we're talking about what the fastest animal is in the world. But that was at Wrigley Field. I, I had so much fun with Tim. And he lived life really to the fullest. He really did. I mean, he had a place out in Napa Valley because he loved to drink wine. So he would be out there and he had a place in Napa. Then he had his place in Sarasota, Florida. And he was, and I'm not sure if he had just moved in or was going to move in next week. We actually were going to get together next week. Oh, wow. He was moving back to Memphis. So he was going to, you know, where it all began for him in Memphis, Tennessee, as a kid that grew up loving the Cardinals and then eventually got to play for him and such a, a iconic name for iconic teams. You think about, too, with him on the field, he caught the greatest right-hander, maybe. Mm-hmm. Big case, Bob Gibson, the best mm-hmm. ever. Yep. And the best lefty ever, right. Steve Carlton. And he's got the most starts with those guys of anybody Amazing. else. Amazing. We know that uh, there's a lot more. You've got memories with Ben Fred, right, on uh, scoopswithdannymack.com. Do. do you guys have something coming up right now? And We're going to talk to Robert Thomas. Do you want me to come back after that? Yeah, that'd be great. We'd All love right, it. I'll hang okay. out. Now, how in the world would the birds know they're starting to circle around Wrigley? We've talked about that before, have we not? Well, it's the eighth inning, and it's coming up on, you know, four, four and a half hour game, where some games could be two and a half hours, and they know the eighth yeah, inning. Yeah, but the birds know better about rain delays and rain than we do. They can sense it. I mean, you got to understand. You know that. I don't care about the rain delay. I'm talking about how they know in the eighth inning to come around here. Because they know it's been a long game. (laughs) (laughs) The the late, great Tim McCarver with Danny Um, Mack at Wrigley Field. Uh, So Tim McCarver was a great Cardinal, Cardinal Hall of Famer, played 10 seasons with the Cardinals, 10 seasons over 11 years, won a couple of, uh, of world championships, and then in 1970... And then I was traded in a in a an epic deal with Kurt Flood, uh, and of course Kurt uh, uh, elected not to go, and uh, and history was in the making. It went to the Supreme Court, and six years later, free agency hit. Um, and then of course I uh, I worked a lot of postseason play for the networks. I worked with Joe Buck for 18 years, and uh, I did some Cardinal uh, World Series games. The most iconic that I can remember 
was game six of the 2011 season. And I'm back with the Cardinals, so I've come full circle. And, um, and being voted into the Hall of Fame means everything to me. Uh, because it, it, it really does. Obviously, in the Baseball Hall of Fame, the Ford Frick Award winner is a broadcaster in, in, in the Cardinals Hall of Fame. And Danny Mack is back with us. And Dan, Tim took, took so much pride in being a Cardinal Hall of Famer. He really did. It was meaningful for him. And as he said, and he said that multiple times in that evening that we did, and that was with Bob Gibson. But he said, I've come full circle. You know, he, he wound up coming back to the Cardinals after that, what he spoke of there with the, the whole situation with Kurt Flood. But he would wind up coming back, I think it was in... Randy, you would know this. I think 74. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Right. And uh, what was amazing about Tim, for me, from the player's perspective, and I'm sure we'll get into the broadcasting perspective here, he began as a 17-year-old in 1959 and finished in 1980. So technically, he spanned four decades. Amazing. That is amazing. And he was a very good player. And... The broadcaster, though, is what what I think made him great as a broadcaster is that, and I would tell a guy like Kerry, is that if you're going to get in the booth and you're going to do games, when your playing career is over, as harsh as this may sound, it's over. You can draw on those experiences because I didn't play at that level. Randy didn't. Rock didn't. But yet you're able to draw on those experiences to hopefully explain to the viewer, the listener of what it's like to be down there. But... The way that Tim approached it is that he did that, but yet looked at, okay, that's one chapter of my life that's over being a player. Right. I got it's it's done, and now I've got to be the best broadcaster I can be. And he dove in, you know, headfirst with that. He literally, by the way, I think you'll appreciate this more than Randy and I and Rock. He literally was interviewing guys in 1980 in his uniform. Mm -hmm. He was part mm -hmm. of the broadcast crew of the Phillies yeah. and would go down in uniform and do post game interviews. So he's here he is. It could be a tough game, and he's going over to Randy, who's playing for the Cardinals, and say, hey, you got a few minutes for my uh, post-game <laughs> yeah, show. Isn't that amazing? In uniform, as an active player wow. doing that. It was incredible. Working on his second career before he got into exactly. it. Exactly. Hey, hey, we. Um, I often hear, heard Tim McCarver talk about his relationship with Bob Gibson. Do you have any stories that he would share that, that maybe we don't know about their relationship and their time together? Well, I think the amazing thing is, is that you have Bob Gibson – an African-American from the projects of Omaha, and you have Tim McCarver from Memphis, Tennessee, mm. in the South, to an extent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And these two guys in that day and age, not pretty right. in our country's right. history, um, becoming best of friends. Mm -hmm. And they were lifelong friends, and they truly were best of friends. I mean, they... Uh, hell, I remember being in Tim's car, and I said, man, this is a really nice car. And he said, yeah, I just bought it from Gibson. <laughs> I mean, so they, they were really, really close and spoke all the time on the phone. They would do trips together with their families. Um, and I, I think my favorite line, and people have heard it many, many times, but, you know, Tim would come out to the mound, and he'd say, the only thing you know about pitching Bob would say this, the only thing you know about pitching is that you can't hit it. Now get back, get your ass back behind the plate. And that's true. Yeah. Did he? Did you ever talk to him about the Deion Sanders incident? I have waited till today. I'll tell you about it. Okay. Uh, I, I wanted to wait until Tim, you know, gave me his blessing to do this, or in this case, he's, he's up in heaven. Yes. Uh, I was at dinner with Tim McCarver when he got a call from ESPN for the 30 for 30 on Deion Sanders. He asked me, should I do it? 
I said, yes. I said, I think you need to do it. I said, it'll be your side of the story that you want out. It's your perspective. You tell the producer, I will do this, but you better air what I say. Mm-hmm. And if, you want, if you're going to do it, you better air it. And I, I want to see what you, if you cut out something... I want to see it. And I want to just give background here, and you can fill in yeah. any blanks, but just quickly, uh, Tim was critical of Deion Sanders during the World Series. The Braves win the World Series, correct? So he, and he's he, was doing, a, he was a two-way player at that yeah, time, yeah. And, and, and so he's going back and forth from the Falcons to the Atlanta Braves. And they win the World Series. Post Tim's doing post-game interviews down in the locker room. Well, let's also game. say this, too. Tim had been critical of Deion leaving the Braves yeah. in postseason play exactly. to go play a regular yeah. season game with the Falcons. Right. And so during the post-game interviews, Deion Sanders pours a bucket of ice water over the head of Tim McCarver. Okay, so yes. take it from there. And so we're at dinner, and I'll never forget it. We're, we're at dinner in New York, and he got the call. He took the call. He said, do you think I should? He, he goes, I need advice. And I, him asking me for advice, he said, do you think I should do it? I said, I, I do. Put your story out there of what you want to say about this incident, which is still very famous in broadcasting mm-hmm. history and certainly post-game celebration history, along with Garrett Stevenson and myself. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever saw that. Anyway, yeah. I digress. Um, we got one great bleeping catcher. Anyway, so we're on live TV. Yes, we are, Garrett. Thank you. Joe Buck then said, don't worry, it's cable. Anyway, um, so so I said to Tim, he should do it. And he goes, I'm going to think about it. Yeah, I think I'm going to think about it. Uh-huh. He goes, you know what? Bleep him. I ain't doing it. Mm. He said, that's it. I said, I think you're making a mistake because it's going to be addressed in the 30 for 30, and this is your chance to get yeah. what you want to say about it. And he said, you know what? I've, I don't want to give any, any more attention to it. And that was it. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? That is an interesting yeah. approach. And good for Tim because why lend more credence to what Deion Sanders did? Why make it relevant again so many years See, after it occurred? And Tim and I actually had a at that dinner disagreed on what he said he said i I think he was being selfish you know he should have been dedicated to the braves Mm -hmm. and i said maybe it's the youth in me saying this as opposed to what you know and tim's a baseball guy obviously but i I said i I think it's great yeah i think it's cool that a guy is is playing two sports and is good enough to do that i mean my god he's the point oh 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 one percent of the world that can do that Make it in two sports and then to have. Mm-hmm. But I think, though, for context, though, you have to understand, too, that Nike was really pushing this behind him. Mm-hmm. And it was a, very much a uh, what's the the right way to put it? But it, he was putting the brand of the Dion brand and Nike and all those things that he was associated with maybe ahead of winning a World Series. And, I guess. And Tim I mean, was old school. Tim, right? yeah. Tim, Tim was old school. So he wanted that commitment to his sport. And, and I get it from both of their perspectives. I get it from Dion's. I don't get pouring ice water over Tim McCarver's head. That, no, I th- think that's that was, inexcusable. That's inexcusable. I think that part of it is is the part that if I if Deion Sanders was here, I would say to him, yeah, I'd have no problem just saying, hey, I, I understand where you're coming from. Matter of fact, I agree with you. Yeah. I think it's cool that you're doing it. I just don't think you should have made a spectacle of Tim McCarver. He probably, if he were able to do it again, he probably wouldn't have reacted in that way. Do you know Dion? Uh, I don't know him. Okay. I, I, I've never met him, but I, I would assume that you know, as we get older, we we gain sure. more wisdom and we realize, man, maybe I shouldn't have done that in that particular manner because it was a it was a big deal. I mean, as a as a young African American kid growing up, young black kid watching him play football and baseball at the highest level, it's pretty awesome, was was a dream. Yes. Uh, you, you had never 
witnessed it to that level. And it was it was exciting to watch him be able to do that. And I remember vividly that interaction with those two, oh, yeah. you know, in the clubhouse after the after the World Series had, had finished up. I uh yeah, I think I would say to him though, if he was sitting here, I I'm with you, but I just didn't like the manner in which yeah, you, you did yeah. that with McCarver. And Tim McCarver, I'll tell you what. And I didn't. I only knew him totally as an acquaintance, you, you just from coming him, into Randy. the booth. But he lived life. You know, eighty-one years. He he lived his life. He he had a great life. He he had a wonderful life and a ton of friends. And the the amazing thing about him in broadcasting with him is that his memory was photographic too. So. He would say, I'll never forget, it was July 8th of 76, and we were in Montreal, and we were doing, you know, like, what? In the seventh <laughs> inning. And I would go back on Baseball Reference and look at, to see if the, yeah. this was right. Like, did you have the year right? Did you have the game right? Did He He was 100% right wow. every time. Mm-hmm. Every time. And I think the thing that made him great, and there'll never be another Tim McCarver, in my opinion, in baseball, is that in the ultimate second-guessing sport, he was a first-guesser. Mm. And that's what I loved, and he taught me a great a great lesson. Because um, I did the games, I try to do them a little bit differently, where I'm managing along with Mike Schilt or Ollie or the opposing manager, and say, "Here are the options. Maybe he's going to do this. You know, right. that's what we're supposed to do." But Tim would say, "I would not do it. No," and he'd slam his hand <laughs> down on the desk. You'd hear it. He'd say, "I wouldn't do that. He's got to go with this guy, and this is why I do it." And I, I just think that when you look at how sports are laid out now, when's the last time you heard an analyst be a first guesser? And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking him. I mean, that's just the way it's done now. You don't have that. And right. he was well, he did not care what you thought. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't care. He was. He said, look, I'm paid to give my opinion. This is my opinion. And it's certainly an educated opinion based on what he went with, with the Cardinals and coming through with George Kissel and the, the, the way you run bases, the way you set a defense. All those things, the baseball one, two, threes of of how you play the game. There was nobody that knew the game better inside and out. The game changed, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying the basics of the game than Tim McCarver and and he first guessed. And here's the other thing, Kerry, I think that you would appreciate more than what we do. If I said something that could have been taken the wrong way by a player or they heard from their girlfriend or their wife, Mm -hmm. Or both, um, and they'd say, whatever, whatever." You know, and people are people, and they'd say, "You know, hey, Danny Mac said this." I, I would try to be down in the clubhouse the next day mm-hmm. and just show my face. And right. if you got a problem as a player, I'm here. Right. You want to take it out on me? Go ahead. I mean, I've had plenty of those. I mm-hmm. mean, where they they didn't like something I said. Tim was just so blunt, honest about his opinions that sometimes it would come across as being really rough, and he yeah. didn't mean to, but that's the way that he would do it, and at least he would show up the next day and be in the clubhouse. Yeah. And as a player, I, I know you'd respect that. You you definitely do. Someone that can really stand on what they said. And yeah. for me, doing this, and when, I, when we have to talk about players not performing well, it's almost like a coach. I look at it and present it as how a coach would talk to him. Sure. This is exactly what a coach would be saying. You're not performing well. Here's why. And as a player, you don't like that. You don't You don't ever want to hear that you're not performing well. But guess what? You know that you're not performing well. It's not It's not news. That's, that it's is just the, that nobody – you don't want anyone else to know that, that you're so not performing well. That is 100% right. Yeah. The player knows. You definitely know if you're stinking <laughs> yeah. it up. It's not, it's not a knows. secret. But you don't want everyone else to be aware of how poorly it's going. And I think that's where they – 
players get in their feelings or get upset when a commentator speaks on how, how poorly it's going at the time. Danny, before we let you go, this is the essence of Tim McCarver, maybe the highlight call of his career. Game 7, 2001 World Series, Arizona and the Yankees. Luis Gonzalez the at best. the plate against Mariano Rivera. The chance of a lifetime for Luis Gonzalez. 2-2, bottom of the ninth. Game 7 of the World Series. Bases loaded. And I got the wrong clip there because Tim had predicted. He said, so, go ahead. Well, I'm, I don't want to interrupt you. No, I'm go ahead. Say, yeah, hell, it's your show. <laughs> no, because you said it. You, well, we, I, we all watched it. Well, we, we I talked to him about this specifically, and I now, if I see a right-hander with a really good cutter facing a lefty, I immediately think of this. And so what Tim did in – now think about this. Joe Torre is one of his best friends. Mm-hmm. He's the manager of the Yankees. And it's game seven. The entire world is watching this game. And Tim, paraphrasing, says, I don't know. You know, you've got a lefty at the plate. You've got the great cutter, Mariano Rivera. And what happens typically with a left-handed batter, because he was a left-handed batter, he said it'll get in on the hands of a lefty, and a lot of times they'll fight it off and fist it out to left field. Mm. I don't know if I'd be playing Derek Jeter in at this point. Well, what was it, two minutes later, all of a sudden – Little floater over Derek Jeter and they win the World Series. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, that's taking a chance, too. Yeah. You yeah. know, because what if, what if, uh, Gonzalez hits a bullet to Jeter? Right. And the play works out for the Yankees. You sit there and go, well, Tim doesn't, you know, what, what, that's the right move. You play the infield in a few mm-hmm. steps. That's what you do. I mean, the game's on the line. You have to do that. No, the game was on the line. He took a chance and he said, you, you, you could hit that little floater, yeah. and he, he certainly did. And that's something that, if you're in the stands, and how cool was it, must it have been to be in the stands for that, to watch a walk-off in the World Series. But if you're in the stands and you don't hear that, it's just something that, that we don't think about, right? It's because we were we had Tim McCarver on the TV, we, we thought about it. I started then paying attention after we... It was another dinner. We were we had countless dinners. So the, the time away from the microphone was the best with Tim, but we talked about that play... And now anytime if I was watching a game, I would say, man, they're playing that left fielder too sh- or not shallow enough. <laughs> yeah. You know, even with Nolan Gorman up or somebody like that, because you never know. You know, these kind of little dinkers out there. And he was yep. right. Yep. 100%. Man, it's good to see you. Good to see you guys too. It is. It's so, awesome. And, uh, and thank you. Our Thanks response on the in. text line has been overwhelming. And we, we thank everybody that texted in and is just. Uh, it Very is appreciative. Glad to, to hear Dan, and, and I've told you over the course of the last couple months, you are beloved in this community, and uh, you'll be back here. You'll be in that chair, and uh, so we'll we'll see you again. And we can't wait to do so. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. you. Love you. Love you too. That's uh, our buddy Danny Mac, um, one hundred and one ESPN, reminiscing about the the great Tim McCarver.